Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's pray together. Lord, the greatest thing that we can do as human beings is to worship you. And Lord, we're delighted to be in your presence today. Lord, we're excited to come together and to encounter you through the power of your spirit. Lord, there's no place we'd rather be than with your people in your presence. There's no greater experience in life, Lord, than experiencing the power and joy and life that you give. And so we, we ask, Father, that you send your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would worship you, as the psalmist says, with joy, with gladness. Let our praises fill the air, Lord. May we lift the roof off, Lord, because you are worthy of all honour and praise and glory. For you created us and we are the sheep of your pasture. Thank you that you know each one of us by name. And thank you, Jesus, that as the good shepherd, you laid down your life for each one of us, your sheep. So we're here to worship you. We're here to declare, Lord, that you are worthy. We're here to say that we love you more than anybody and anything else. Jesus, come and be king and Lord among us now as we praise your holy name. Amen. Let's stand together to worship King Jesus.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you. Praise you. Jesus, bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. 
of praise and adoration and thanks to our wonderful Saviour. Yes. Every way. Yes. Oh Lord Jesus, to walk into church and hear that song being sung. Lord, that's a hymn many years ago. And I remember it being sung in Italy, in Italian. And mm. Ian couldn't understand why I was just singing it in English. And I said, don't you realise what they're singing in church on a Sunday morning? It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you recognise a hymn, mm. if you recognise a song, just sing it out to the Lord, wherever you are, mm. whatever you're doing. Amen. We just thank you and praise you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The first man, Adam, came, became a living being in the flesh. Jesus came as a life-giving spirit. 
Mm. And where the Spirit is, the Father is there also. Mm. Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to free believers from everything the law couldn't accomplish. Thank you. We are urged to walk in by the Spirit yes. and not gratify ourselves with worldly pleasures. For what you. benefit does the flesh begin bring? Everyone who believes in Christ is a new creation. Mm. By faith, Christ will dwell in your hearts. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Lord. <laughs> Father, I just want to thank you for that those wonderful songs we sang mm. and, the, and the words, Lord, and just the wonderful promise that we will be singing your praise forevermore. Yes. Amen. All because of Jesus. Yes, so thank you. Thank you for that this morning. We yes. honor you and praise your name, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Amen. 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 I am a new creation, no more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God I stand. My heart is overflowing, my love just keeps on growing. Here in the grace of God I stand, and I will praise you lord yes i will praise you lord and i will sing oh. a joy that knows no limit a lightness in my spirit here in the grace of god i stand let's sing it again let's go i am Everybody stand. When condemnation, here in the grace of God I stand. My heart is overflowing, my love just keeps on growing. Here in the grace of God I stand. And I will praise you, Lord. Yes, I will praise you, Lord. And I of all that you have done a joy that knows no limit a lightness in my spirit here in the grace of god i stand amen please be seated great stuff Thank 
Hallelujah. Uh, great stuff. Mark's going to come and uh, bring an all-age talk. Thanks, Mark. I think I'm on. <laughs> uh, yeah, been rushing around a bit today because I'm duty deacon as well, so uh, lots of things going on. Um, but it's great to be here. It's great to see so many people here, it's lovely. Um, and we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit this week. Um, today, Martin's talking about life in the Spirit. Now, some of you were probably here a couple of weeks ago, weren't you? Um, and, and I did an all-age talk about the Trinity, if you remember. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit was a little bit like steam very powerful but unseen we can see the effects but we can't see the holy spirit itself and today i'm going to talk a little bit about he and that is the holy spirit helps us to live our lives following jesus example you see as christians we are called to follow jesus aren't we we're called to live lives like jesus lived to follow the teaching in the bible but actually, it's not that easy, is it? On our own, it's not that easy. See, before we became, we became Christians, the Bible says that we were ruled by the world and we were weighed down by all the things that we do wrong. If you like, it might be like a bit of paper. And I've got a bit of paper here. He says, trying to pick it up. It's just an ordinary common or garden bit of paper. There's nothing special about this bit of paper. And I'm going to screw it up. So this, imagine this is our lives before we found Jesus and we found uh, the Holy Spirit. And if I hold it out and drop it, what happens to the bit of paper? It just falls straight to the floor, doesn't it? Even if... I throw it, it still goes pretty much straight down to the floor. And our lives, before we have Jesus, before we have the Holy Spirit, are dragged down by the world. The, the Bible calls it the flesh. I haven't read any of this. But what would happen if I took another bit of paper, again, similar plain piece of paper and I folded it into a paper aeroplane. Now we're going to do this very quickly and we'll see what happens then. It's not very accurate. They work better if you're a bit more accurate, but there we go. So imagine this is our lives after we've become Christians and we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's see what happens. Good catch, John. It doesn't fall straight to the ground. 
but it floats and it's like the Holy Spirit is empowering it and lifting it up but eventually gravity takes over doesn't it and it does fall to the ground well done Jan good <laughs> no prompting or anything and and it's like when we get filled with the spirit we're, we're, we're busy following Jesus we're serving God we're we're serving our community we're doing what he told us to and at the start it's really easy and it's really exciting isn't it but as time goes on it seems to get harder and harder and harder doesn't it as time goes on it's like the power's running out and the bible tells us that being filled with the spirit and being baptized in the spirit is not a one-off event you see we need to be filled with the spirit many many times on an ongoing basis and if we're filled with the spirit on an ongoing basis we can continue to have that enthusiasm that passion for Jesus that love for God and that joy in the service of Jesus following him and we become a little bit like soaring eagles on riding the thermals of the Holy Spirit a bit like this strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord our God you reign forever our hope our strong so much that was great um, the uh, can we take up the offering and uh, as we do this the young people are going to uh, to leave us let's pray for the young people as they go Lord thank you for um, the opportunity for these uh, younger people to go and learn in another part of the building we pray Lord your spirit uh, would rest on them and their teachers as they learn more of you Lord may they be filled with the power of your spirit and with all wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Maureen. Let's pray for uh, the offering. Lord, you give amazing gifts. The indescribable gift of Jesus. 
the grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave up your life, even to death on a cross, to pay the penalty, the debt of our sin. And so it's with gratitude that we give you back this small token of our love for you. Lord, bless this money and may it be used for the extension of your kingdom throughout this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Come now to an open prayer time um, where uh, if, you're on, if you're on Zoom, please do feel free to unmute and share if you want to uh, share any prayers for the world, for the nation, for those um, in the fellowship and further afield who need a touch of Christ's grace and mercy, comfort, help, strength today. Um, we've just been, that scripture from Isaiah 40 was just put up on the screen, you know, um, God is everlasting. He enables us to run and not grow weary, to walk and not grow faint. He empowers us so that we can rise up on wings like eagles. So there are people um, who need the strength and power of the Holy Spirit today. So let's uh, lift them and situations in the news uh, before God. So please, uh, Mark's got the microphone. He'll uh, come and uh, catch up with you as you pray. Let's, uh, let's please lead us as the Spirit leads you. Lord, we do continue to lift uh, Marion uh, before you in hospital. Lord, thank you that she has found new life in you. And Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would continue to pour out comfort, peace, strength into Marion, that she would know that she belongs to you, that she would have the assurance, Lord, of knowing that she's yours forever. And that Lord, the hope of eternal life is now hers in Christ. So Lord, comfort her, strengthen her. And uh, as we go in this afternoon to minister to her with communion, Lord, we just pray that she would re receive your grace in a special way, even today, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Nope. Amen. No, nothing interesting. We do pray for those who are persecuted around yes. this world. Yes, Lord. Especially in China. Yes, Lord. Lord, even in America, there are mm. persecutions being poured out. Mm. And Lord, we we just want to see your Holy Spirit mm. poured out. Mm. And we pray for those in Ukraine as well. Yes. Who are being persecuted. Mm -hmm. We just pour out your Holy Spirit upon yes, them, Lord. Help them to cope. Help them help the troops to realize what they're doing help the Russian people to realize what mm. their leaders are doing mm. and to put an end to this. Mm. Lord, we just pray in your precious name. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen.
Thank you, Lord. Lord God, we pray for all our church leaders here, Martin, his family, mm. his children, all the team leaders in the church, and all the people that play the music. We pray for the congregation here and our community here in New Hope. Mm. We pray for our leaders within our communities to lead us in the correct way. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, we stand under the authority of your word this morning. Lord Jesus, you've said to us that if you love me, you will obey my commands. Jesus, we love you and we choose this morning to submit to the authority of your word over us. And so we ask, Spirit of God, that you would speak through your words to us today. Speak into our lives. Teach us, strengthen us, encourage us, correct us, Lord, where, where it's needed. But above all, Holy Spirit, help us to obey your word to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So reading from the English Standard Version, and the reason for that is that the English Standard Version is a better translation of flesh than sinful nature. In fact, that is, sarx is the original Greek word rather than sinful nature. Um, so that we're continuing today to look at Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, life in the spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Instead, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies 
through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. What a passage. Wow. I hope I can do justice to this. This is uh, the Himalayas of the New Testament, isn't it? Unbelievable stuff. And I want to look today at how the Holy Spirit gives us power as Christians to live fully and joyfully without a sense of condemnation. Because that's what this passage says. The Holy Spirit wants Christians to live with joy, confidence, peace in our relationship with God and not to be walking around condemned. Isn't that good news? Unfortunately, many people today believe that Christians who confess sin and live a good life are forgiven and are, at that moment, not condemned. But they then believe that should they sin, they are back under condemnation until they confess and repent of sin again. False. Not true. Okay? In other words, if a Christian were to sin, they would come under condemnation and could be lost to God for eternity if they died in that state. This is false. If this were true, then Christians would be those who are always moving back and forth in and out of condemnation. That's not what the Bible says. We would be schizophrenic Christians wondering, oh, am I in today or am I out today? Have I lost my salvation? I'm not sure. That's not what Paul would have us live in. There are five things I want us to explore to see why we can be secure and confident in the, in the reality, in the truth, that there is now no condemnation and there never will be again. Gone. Finished. So first, why condemnation for the Christian is gone? Uh, if there's a fridge magnet text, this is probably it, isn't it? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul, let's get this right once and for all. Let's nail this text. Paul is literally saying here that the moment we come to faith in Christ, condemnation is gone forever. Right? Dead and buried. There can never be any more condemnation for us. There is only acceptance and welcome for us. Um, the great preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, said, most of our troubles as Christians are due to failure to realize the truth of this verse. We, we come under condemnation because we don't believe that this is true. If we forget that there is now no more condemnation, we will feel far more guilt, far more unworthiness and pain than we should. God does not want you to feel pain and unworthiness and condemnation. He sent Christ to deal with it. And if you are riddled with guilt, unworthiness and pain, out of this can come drivenness and a need to prove ourselves, right? To prove that we're worthy. That's not living in freedom. That's living under condemnation, isn't it? How do you know when somebody's living under condemnation? Well, they're overly sensitive to criticism, right? They're defensive. 
They have a lack of confidence in their relationship with God and with others. They have a lack of joy and confidence in prayer and worship. They struggle with repeating cycles of addictive behavior. On the other hand, we'll have far less motivation to live a life pleasing to God. Christians who don't understand no condemnation will obey out of fear and duty. That's killing. That is killing. This is not nearly as powerful as motivation as those who obey out of love and gratitude. If you, if you know that God loves you and he's your father and you are his dearly loved child, you will not want to disobey him, right? If you obey God out of fear and duty, because he's like a, an oppressive sort of hard father figure to you, you're going to be absolutely paranoid and fearful about making a mistake, right? That's what it means to live under condemnation. Christ has set you free. So if you've had an oppressive uh, parenting figure in your past, Christ died for you to set you free from that. You don't have to live out that anymore. You don't have to live under that condemnation. You are set free from that. But you see, when we love someone and we're secure in their love for us, we will want to put things right as quickly as possible. Yeah? If we wrong somebody, we we'll want to get reconciled with them as quickly as possible. We'll say sorry. We'll make up. We'll be reconciled as quickly as we can because we love them and we don't want to upset them, right? Isn't that how it's supposed to be with God? Love is the most powerful motivation to avoid sin in our relationships. You try um, obeying, avoiding sin out of fear and duty, you just get riddled with insecurity, fear of letting God down. But if you obey out of love, when you do go wrong, the Father welcomes you home, right? Number two, how the Holy Spirit sets us free from the condemnation of sin. Um, verse two. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. As Mark said, every person is born into the world with a downward gravitational pull of sin. Right? We're born into the world that way. In other words, we love ourselves before we love God. We don't serve God, love God, obey God as we should. That's how we're born into the world. We're born as those who live for ourselves, not for God. That's what sin is. It's a downward drag or pull. It's like gravity. It drags you down. Um, if you don't believe me, then just look at the first of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Is there any of us who can honestly say, that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength? From birth? Not, not one of us can say that. We love ourselves before we love God. We love material possessions before we love God. We love pleasure, leisure before we love God. You know, just insert the, the God with a small g. We all sin because we love other things, including ourselves, before we love God. 
the downward drag, the gravity of sin is in all of us, every single one of us. But Paul wants to show us in this passage that when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit is a, a lifting force in our lives that lifts us out of the downward drag of the gravity of sin and upwards into God's presence, right? That's what he does. So the down drag of the gravity of sin is no longer inevitable for us because we have the uplift, the lift force of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Um, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's, you know, plane taking off. Um, the, the way that the uh, plane is designed with the wings is designed to uh, create a vacuum over the top of the wings so that a f an, an upthrust, a lift force is generated that overcomes the sin of gravity. And the same in our lives. The Holy Spirit helps us to overcome the downward pull of sin, right? It's not that sin has disappeared in your life as a Christian, just like gravity doesn't disappear, does it? But our ability not to be dominated and ruled by gravity has been overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't always live that way, of course, but it's no longer inevitable that we'll be pulled down by sin. Number three, how Jesus breaks the power of sin. Human beings have never been able to keep all of God's laws perfectly. We can't even keep the first of the Ten Commandments, can we? You shall have no other gods before me. We can't even keep that one because we do have other gods before God. And the penalty of not keeping God's commandments is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from God for eternity. Um, God is perfect, perfect in love, perfect in justice, perfect in holiness, perfect in compassion, perfect in every way. And he cannot be in the presence of one tiny impurity of sin in us. Um, just to illustrate, a fish cannot live out of water in the surroundings of air for long, can it? Because it doesn't have the right breathing apparatus to survive. We don't have the right breathing apparatus to survive in the presence of God who is perfect and holy. Um, because we have a down drag, a downward force of sin. We, we, we can't survive in the atmosphere of God's perfection. And God in his holy perfection must judge sin. And so that's why the sacrifices were needed in the Old Testament. A penalty had to be paid. A life had to be given up so that the Israelites could continue to live in the presence of a holy, sinless, perfect God. But Jesus became the perfect sacrifice of God who takes away the condemnation of God's wrath, God's holy judgment on sin. He died in our place to take away God's holy wrath on our sin. And that had to happen because God is perfectly good and perfectly just. There has to be justice 
for sin and evil. And instead of putting that justice and judgment on us, God placed it on his own son, Jesus Christ. That's, that's the amazing thing of the gospel, isn't it? You see, God didn't leave us in our hopeless state of being lawbreakers. Jesus entered into our humanity, fully God and fully human. Verse 3 and 4, look at this. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Jesus took on the weakness of human flesh. He became fully human, as we are, and yet he was also fully God. Do you know, Jesus was tempted just as you and I are, but he did not sin once. He kept all of God's commandments and teachings perfectly. The one person who's ever lived who deserves to remain and live in the presence of God is Jesus. He's the only one qualified to deal with our sin because he's the only one who's ever lived a perfect life and paid the penalty of death for our sin. But he hands the victory to us by faith, doesn't he? He exchanges our dirty robes of sin for his pure clean robes of righteousness and he gives us his holy pure unblemished robe to wear and he takes our sin upon himself how does this work how does that exchange work well when someone believes in jesus they are united to christ by the holy spirit the Holy Spirit comes to live in the Christian, and he is the presence of Christ in that person. Let me illustrate. If I place this piece of paper into this book, the paper and the book become united. They become one, right? And what the Holy Spirit does is he places us into Christ so that we are united to Christ. We become one with Christ, do you see? So that when Christ died and rose again and paid the penalty for sin, which is death, because we are united to Christ, we receive the victory with Christ. We receive forgiveness and the, the verdict of no condemnation, because Christ has fully paid the penalty of sin, which is death, in our place. And his forgiveness and fulfillment of the law becomes our forgiveness and fulfillment of the law. Everything he did, we share because we are in Christ. Do you see? Um, let me give you uh, a, another illustration of this. I don't know if you're a football fan or not, but hopefully you'll get the picture. When a player scores a winning goal, it isn't just that individual player who celebrates, is it? Why does the rest of the team, the substitutes, the backroom staff, the manager, the whole crowd, why do they celebrate? Tell me. 
They're on the same team. You see, when we're united with Christ by the Holy Spirit through faith, we are on the same team. We are united to Christ. We are at one with Christ. Everything he secures through his victory, through his sin, through dying for sin and being raised again, becomes ours. We're on the winning team. We're on the same team as Team Jesus. Everything he does becomes ours through faith. It's kind of good news, isn't it? So why do we walk around as if we're condemned sometimes? When everything that Christ has achieved is finished, complete, and perfect, and is ours in him. Hallelujah. It's done, it's finished, it's perfect, it's complete. You see, by allowing ourselves to walk around in condemnation, we're really saying to Jesus, well, I don't think your death really was enough. Do you really want to say that? Do you really want to say to King Jesus, I don't think your death was enough to pay for my sin? So I'm going to allow myself to live under condemnation and guilt. And, and do you want to say that? I don't. I want to say thank you, Jesus, for your victory. Thank you that I'm on the winning team. Thank you that you secured forgiveness for me. And I can celebrate the winning goal with you because I'm on your team. Uh, number four, we're getting there. This is this is difficult stuff, isn't it? This is dense. This is Paul at his most theological, and I love it. I hope you do too. Number four, victory is certain, but there is a battle for hearts and minds, right? This is a picture of the liberation of Paris in 1944. I'll come to why I put that up there in a moment. When someone becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence in them and gives them the power to obey the commandments of Jesus. If you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit, you don't need to obey out of fear and duty because the love of God in the person of the Spirit lives in you. But the old nature of sin, though no longer dominant, still has influence. The force of gravity doesn't go away. It's always there, but it has been overcome. Let me illustrate. When Paris was liberated in 1944, the Allies declared that France was free. But a large portion of France still lay under Nazi control, right? With the loss of the capital Paris, however, the Nazi power base was broken and it was only a matter of time until the remaining forces were driven from the land. Do you see how this relates to Christianity? The capital of our hearts has been taken by Christ. We've been liberated, set free. It's only a matter of time before the rest of our lives is liberated and we are set free. The victory is secure. There are ongoing battles with sin, but the victory is secure. We're on the winning side. We've been liberated. Do you see it? Yeah. Victory is certain. 
One day in the future when Jesus returns, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead will raise you and I from the dead with brand new resurrection bodies that won't be able to sin, that won't decay, that won't grow old, that won't be able to die again, and will live in sinless perfection in eternal bliss in the presence of Christ. Does that sound good? Yeah. That's our future. Verse 11, here it is. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, when someone passes on from this life as a Christian, their spirit, their soul goes to be with Christ. But one day that soul will be joined to a brand new resurrection body when Jesus returns and they will be raised up. Their soul will be raised up in a new resurrection body along with all those who are still on the earth. And we will live in these new resurrection bodies that are able to breathe and live in the presence of a holy sinless God for eternity. And we will sing his praise forevermore. And we won't get tired of singing his praise forevermore. People say to me, you know, I think I might get tired of just singing in heaven. You're not going to because you'll be in a brand new resurrection body. It will not grow weary. It will not grow faint. You won't get tired of singing the eternal, unsearchable riches of Christ. Because you won't be in this body. Okay? I'm coming into land, to use the plain metaphor. Number five, Christians are to set their minds on the things of the spirit, not of the flesh. Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. If you are a Christian, you are under new management. Do you ever walk past a pub or a cafe and it's got under new management? And you go, oh, I hope that's better now than it was. <laughs> I hope the chef and the landlord are better than they were. And sometimes they are, aren't they? I've lived in the area long enough to see pubs come and go. You know, you've lived here longer than I have, but 15 years nearly. You know, I've seen the Victoria come under new management. And it's better now. We're under new management as Christians. We have the dominating power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Sin, the gravity downward force of sin no longer dominates, but the Holy Spirit is the dominating management in our lives. Sometimes we live as though that isn't true though. Sometimes we're living as though we're still under the old life of sin, as though we're under old, the old management regime. We don't need to live that way, right? Be who you are in Christ. Those who've been set free from the power of sin. Those who have the dominating, powerful influence of the Holy Spirit living in them. Uh, here's a picture of a prisoner. Um, not living under the realm of the spirit or the new management of the spirit would be like a prisoner being let out of jail who then, who has all these opportunities to live a new life with their family and to walk back into a job, who goes, I think I was probably better off in jail. 
because at least there, there was a routine. They've become so institutionalized by jail, so used to being behind bars in the institution of jail, that they can no longer enjoy the freedom of life on the outside. And there are Christians today who are not living in the liberty of all that Christ has won for them. They're still living the old life of sin and feeling condemned and guilty and shamed. You've been set free. Didn't we just sing in that hymn, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth and followed thee. Hallelujah. That's who you are. That's what Christ has done in your life. Start grabbing a hold of it and living it. Because that's what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to be filled with joy, to know that you're forgiven, to know there's no condemnation ever anymore in your life. To rise up on wings like eagles with the power of the Spirit living in you, launching you up above the power of the down drag of sin and lifting you into a life of fullness and joy and eternity. That's what God has for the Christian. That sounds exciting to me. Sounds liberating to me. Sounds like the path of eternal life to me, which begins in this life, by the way, in relationship with Christ. We need to ask every day for the Holy Spirit to enable us to soar on wings like eagles, to walk and not grow faint, to run and not grow weary. And God will come by the power of his spirit and enable you to soar on wings like eagles. God wants Christians who are soaring, not dragged down. Who are you today? Are you living with the down drag of sin and condemnation? Or are you enjoying and delighting in the upthrust, the lifting power of the spirit, lifting you into God's presence? Would you stand with me? Lord, I pray uh, for all of us. Lord, we all need the lift of your Holy Spirit this morning to lift us up on wings like eagles. Maybe you want to Maybe you just want to lift your hands this morning and say, Lord Jesus, I want to rise up on wings like eagles. Maybe you just want to raise your hands and say to Jesus, help me to rise up on wings like eagles. Help me to embrace that I'm no longer living under condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you just come and fill us afresh with power and life this morning. Enable us, Jesus, to rise up on wings like eagles, to walk and not grow weary, to run and not grow faint. Fill us with your power. Fill us with joy. Fill us with peace. Fill us with life. And Jesus, overcome the down drag of sin in our lives. Lord, where some of us have been obeying you out of fear and duty, where some of us are living under condemnation and guilt and shame, would you set us free by the power of Jesus' name? We come against those chains of condemnation and guilt this morning, and we break them in the name of Jesus. We've been set free. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. We break off every chain this morning in the name of Jesus. Every chain of guilt and condemnation. 
every chain of past failure, every chain of doubt and fear. We receive your grace, Lord Jesus. Fill fill us with your spirit. Fill us with power. One or two just want to lead us in uh, prayers of response, just where you are. Just pray for the spirit to come and fill us. Pray for us to be liberated, set free, just where you are. Just lead us in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Or just when I, I, like a newborn baby, I taste that first breath, a breath of life that gives us life, Lord. We want the breath of your Holy Spirit to yes, us with that life, Lord. Yes, Lord. Like that life that is beyond what we can understand almost at the moment, Lord, but that's something that you've died on that cross that we might have that life, life yes. eternal, life in its fullness, Lord. Yes. We want to reach out and, and more on, want more of you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Uh, we want a heart that's actually desiring you, desiring your spirit working within us, working through us, Lord, working around yes. us, working to do the will of your, your Holy Spirit, Lord, in, in reaching out to others, reaching to our families, but reaching to our own lives, Lord, that we may be witnesses for you, Lord. Give us a hunger and desire for more of you, Lord. Mm. We love you, Lord. You died on that cross because of your love for each one of us, Lord. And you rose again. Thank you. And you ascended into heaven that we might have your Holy Spirit within us, Lord. Thank you. Help us to be responsible people. We've talked about sponges recently. We want to be those sponges that absorb your spirit, Lord. Yes. Fill us afresh, Lord. Let us overflow with your love and your your grace in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Move among us with holy fire as we lay aside all earthly desires. Through doubt and our hearts aspire, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The living God, fall afresh on me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, break me, melt me, Mold me, fill me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to sing, Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I find in you.
those people who'd like uh, some prayer this morning for whatever reason maybe you you are feeling that downward force of difficult circumstances pressures stresses strains and you just like some prayer to be lifted up on wings like eagles please remain in here the prayer team are ready and waiting to pray with you so just remain in here and uh, somebody will come and uh, 
pray with you. Um, otherwise, please make your way through for tea and coffee next door and uh, bless you. Now may the, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you now and forever. Amen. Amen.